Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. What are we talking about today? Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Madoff passed away. You might say, I have no idea who that is, Sean. Okay, that's all right. He is the, he ran the biggest Ponzi scheme ever, ever. And in his late 60s, got busted, recently died in prison at age 82. Why are we reading about this on a real estate podcast? Well, mainly because I want to. I think this is a story that a lot of you have followed. You followed it when it happened because it was so shocking. It involved celebrities. It involved not millions, but billions of dollars. It was run over a long period. There was family fallout. There was suicide. I mean, this is one of those stories that's like that train wreck that you can't stop watching. Ah, you know, I mean, this is just one of those things. And most of, the time, most of the time, people go to jail and you don't really hear about them. You're like, what happened? This is closure. This is closure on the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time. And I think, I think this warrants a podcast. That's what we're doing. I know it has nothing to do with real estate. I just wanted to read about it. All right. If you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I am a real estate guy, but I read stuff that might, you know, that hopefully you enjoy. Let's get into it. Bernie Madoff, financier behind the largest Ponzi scheme in history, dies in prison. Fraudster sentenced to 150 years in jail, dies from natural causes. New York financier ran scheme that cheated investors of billions. That's with a B, not millions, but billions. I read all the news stories when this came out. I followed this guy. I followed what his wife is doing. She's hunkered down in Florida just doing her thing. I didn't realize she got two and a half million bucks when everything was all said and done. They left her with two and a half million bucks. That's the way I'm kind of reading a few more of these stories. I'm like, that's, that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, if you basically cheated your way through life and stole from other people to make your living. But let's, let's, not, let's not quibble with the details right now. Let's jump on in. Bernie Madoff, the one-time Wall Street titan who orchestrated one of the largest frauds in history, has died in prison aged 82. What a terrible way to go out in prison. You, I mean, think about this guy. He is elevated to the highest levels of society, and he ends up dying in prison. Ugh, no, thanks. Crime does pay. Don't argue that it pays very, very well. But you might also pay the price in the end if you get busted. So the bottom line is, if you're a career criminal, try not to get caught because otherwise you might die in jail. That's harsh reality, right? Madoff, known as Bernie, was a former chairman of the Nasdaq Stock Exchange. Remember that? Like he brought in a bunch of stuff on the the the, the exchange. He was like super highly regarded and was regarded for years as an investment sage because his returns in down markets, his returns were phenomenal. We're getting what on our money? Yes, we'll reinvest. Yes, yes, we will. Bernie, we're your investors. But unbeknownst to his thousands of victims, he was running a Ponzi scheme that wiped out at least $17.5 billion dollars billion dollars. 17.5. I mean, that is a machine. 17.5. I mean, that's bigger than a lot of, you know, countries gross domestic product, small countries imposing a 150 year sentence in 2009. Judge Je uh, Denny Chin called Madoff's crimes extraordinarily evil. His criminal behavior devastated the lives of his victims leading to suicides, bankruptcies and home losses. 
We thought he was God. We trusted everything in his hands. Eli Weasel. Uh, Weisel. Sorry. Sorry, Eli. Eli Weisel, the late Holocaust survivor and Nobel laureate, said in the same year, Madoff's a scam cost Weisel's foundation $15.2 million. He wasn't taking down just chunks in 10 and $20 increments, 15 to total from this foundation. Well, Weisel described him as one of the greatest scoundrels, thieves, liars, and criminals. He was. He flat out was. And the fact that he got away with this for as long as he did, did his kids know that is the big, I don't really know. Did his wife know? They all claim they didn't. But man, how would you? The books were cooked. Literally, they were cooked. Turn that bad boy up on high and, you know, good to go. They're done. Cook them a little more and leave them on simmer for a long time. We need these books to really, ah. Let's just really get them done. Madoff died at the Federal uh, Medical Center, a prison for inmates with health needs in Butner, um, North Carolina, apparently from natural causes. Dude's 82. I'm surprised he lasted that long in prison, right? I mean, that's a tough go. Last year, his lawyers filed court papers to try and get him released from prison during the pandemic, saying he had end-stage renal disease and other chronic medical conditions. The request was denied. The gal, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's gal, I forget what's her name. Uh, she's having a tough time in prison. She is claiming that, um, you know, they're checking in on her every 15 minutes. She can't sleep. She's losing weight. She's not flushing her toilet on purpose to just make it stink. She's, she's a hot mess. But again, she's somebody from, you know, the most upper end of society. And now she's in prison. Not good. In 2008, Madoff pleaded guilty to orchestrating a massive Ponzi scheme in which instead of investing cash, he paid off older investors with funds from new investors. Nothing new there, right? The, the Ponzi scheme, that comes from uh, a guy that did one of the original Ponzi schemes um, a long time ago. I can't remember, was it 1700s, 1800s, something like that? I mean, this is not a new thing, but you know, in the billions, that's, that's different. That is taking the game to a whole nother level. I mean, that's the real pro leagues of the Ponzi scheme, right? A court appointed trustee recovered more than 13 billion of an estimated 17.5 billion that investors put into Madoff's businesses. I am always shocked that they recovered that much money. Like just trying to figure out where it went. Talk about some, uh, the kind of counting they do, um, what is that when they do a deep dive into finances, you financial people out there, I'll think of it. But um, at the moment, um, it's where they like I had uh, during my divorce, my ex wife's attorney wanted to do that kind of look at my books, because um, they were convinced that I had hidden money. I hadn't. My wife just misunderstood what I had told her many, many times, exactly where we sat with our finances, misunderstood that, took it a different way. And, um, you know, people looked at my finances. They're looking for money that wasn't there. Wasn't there. The global financial crisis of 2008 prompted the scheme to unravel, leaving thousands of victims bereft of their savings and Madoff as an avatar for the failure of regulators and financial corruption in December 2008, as investors worried about the impending crisis started asking for their money back. That's what it unravels, right? When you can't get enough new money to cover 
the withdrawals being taken out because people are like, hey, something's going on with Maddie. Something's going off with Madoff. Just he's got something going on. Well, maybe we should maybe we should pull a little bit of money out. Eh, just wait for this to blow over. Then we want to get those returns again. Because here's the thing. This is all based on greed. It is. Nobody wants to admit it. They're going after the big return that if you look at it is not probably doable. That's why people punch pump so much money in there. Plus, you know, on the show on the short end on the front end of these schemes, they're getting great returns. They want to keep going back to that fountain of incredible return. Greed. Greed's what does this. Oh, I can get that from him over here. It's more than that guy over there, even though this guy's got returns that I know where they came from. But Bernie did, um, he covered his trail really well until he didn't, right? Um, so the recovered sum fell far short of the sums Madoff told duped clients he was managing. At the time of his arrest, fake account statements were telling clients they had holdings worth $60 billion, quadruple what was basically in the system, right? Madoff called a family meeting in his Manhattan apartment and confessed to his sons that the family business they both worked in was based on one big lie. Brutal. Brutal for these adult kids. Uh, What? The company I'm working at is involved in massive fraud, stock manipulation. Oh, I'm going to have to take a moment, dad, and process this one. And I don't mean to make fun. This is that's a horrible scenario, because we're going to read a little bit further. If you're not familiar with this story, what happened to one of his sons, a couple of his sons, I mean, this whole thing is just a tragedy. After the meeting, a lawyer for the family contacted regulators who alerted federal prosecutors and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Madoff was in a bathrobe when two FBI agents arrived at his door unannounced on a December morning. He invited them in and then confessed after being asked if there's an innocent explanation. Hey, can you throw us a bone? We're here on this stuff. Yeah, it just doesn't, something doesn't add up. Can, is there an explanation you can throw our way and then we'll be, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go work on that. Uh, Madoff responded, there is no innocent explanation. He must have thought about this for a while. And he's like, all right, I am completely hosed here. It has been a good run. But in order to protect the people that are around me, I'm going to go down with the ship on this one. It's what he did. And it, 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 I'm not trying to bring any honor to him at all either. It's just kind of the way it went down. It's what he did. As well as Weisel, investors in Madoff's company included the actors Kevin Bacon, uh, Kira Sedgwick, uh, John Malkovich. I really like John Malkovich. I like his acting, not his, his uh, political beliefs and stuff. I think he's kind of a out there on that. But I mean, who doesn't like, you know, being John Malkovich, that guy's just he's stellar. And Hollywood director Steven Spielberg, ET, go home ET. Because you lost all your money, Steven. Brutal, right? Madoff pleaded guilty in March 2009 to securities fraud and other charges, saying he was deeply sorry and ashamed. Madoff pleaded guilty in March 2009 to securities fraud and other charges, saying he was deeply sorry and ashamed. After spending several months under house arrest in his $7 million penthouse apartment, he was let off to jail in handcuffs to scattered applause from angry investors in the courtroom. I remember seeing footage of that. It's just, I wouldn't have gone. The damage has already been done. Seeing some guy being let off in, you know, a really nice suit to uh, jail and handcuffs, that doesn't do much for me in 
the money I lost. You're better off getting out there and hustling and, you know, recreating that wealth again, because life is short and you can't take it with you. So is it all that important? I don't know. It's good to have a little bit of money, but you don't have to be loaded because obviously Bernie, his family weren't able to enjoy it, you know, in their golden years. He stole from the rich, he stole from the poor, he stole from the in between, he had no values, former investor Tom Fismaurice told the judge at the sentencing, he cheated his victims out of their money so he and his wife could live a life of luxury beyond belief. It's what he did, he got busted, and he died, died in prison. Let that be the lesson, right? I mean, that's kind of ultimate justice, kind of it doesn't really help the people who had the what was it 4 billion that they couldn't recover? I mean, how many did? How did Bernie, you know, burn through that other money? I mean, three, $4 billion? Where'd that money go? The Madoff family took a severe financial hit, a judge uh, shocking, a judge issued a $171 billion forfeiture order in June of 2009, stripping Madoff of all of his personal property, including real estate investments and 80 million in assets his wife Ruth had claimed were hers. The order left her with $2.5 million. That must have been money that she had like her own separate estate before they got married or inherited or whatever. Must have figured that out. But it also took a toll on more personal items or personal terms. In December 2010, Madoff's eldest son, Mark, was found hanged in his New York apartment on the second anniversary of the billionaire investment manager's arrest for what was then described the biggest swindle in Wall Street history. That is the heartbreaking part of this story for me. One of his children died and he did it just as a big F you to dad. Did it on the anniversary of the investment manager's arrest. That's horrible. Horrible. There's no words. I mean, I mean, it's, it's just a scenario that happened. That's just so tragic. His brother, Peter, who helped run the business was sentenced to 10 years in prison in 2012. Despite claims he was in the dark about his brother's misdeeds. Another son, Andrew died from cancer at age 48. Madoff's wife, Ruth survives him. Bernie Madoff was born in 1938 in a lower class, lower middle class neighborhood in the New York borough of Queens. He began his Wall Street career in 1960, alongside his brother Peter with a few thousand dollars saved from working as a lifeguard and installing sprinklers. This guy is the ultimate hustler. He's got side hustles that went big, right? I mean, he just he found his niche and just turned it up to 11. That's what he did. They were two struggling kids from Queens. They worked hard, said Thomas Morling, who worked closely with the Madoff brothers in the mid-1980s. In the 1980s, Bernie L. Madoff Investment Securities occupied three floors of a midtown Manhattan high-rise. Those were the, you know, the 80s. That's, you know, Wall Street. That's when I was in high school. And so much of what I believe in and, and what I come to think of as, you know, where I'm at, so much of that was developed then. And it was it was it was a different area. It was kind of wide open. Things were going. Stock market was going nuts until Black October in 1987, the year I graduated from high school and went to college and had a decent sized portfolio that got oh he got a little haircut during Black Monday. Was it Black Monday in October? I think it was. Like oh that's not good. I lost how much? 
<laughs> you know, wake up call, folks, what goes up may come down. There with his brother and later two sons, he ran a legitimate business as middleman between the buyers and sellers of stock. Madoff raised his profile by using the expertise to help launch NASDAQ, the first electronic stock exchange, and became so respected that he advised the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, on the system. You got the biggest Ponzi scheme creator helping the SEC run the first electronic stock exchange. This story is just, it's like, what? Huh? Okay. <laughs> That's what happened. But what the SEC never found out was that behind the scenes in a separate office kept under lock and key, Madoff was secretly spinning a web of phantom wealth by using cash from new investors to pay returns to old ones. Authorities later said, let's go over that. So basic mechanics of a Ponzi scheme, you take in money, you tell them, here's what your money's invested in, you give them returns, and you keep doing that and you bring in more and more money, you've got to have the ability to bring that money in, because you are building a pyramid. And that's why it's the Ponzi scheme. People on the top do okay, people on the bottom, mm, not so much. At the end, there's no money to cover all the people who just came in, those people get hosed, they get burned, you know, last in, don't get paid. That's the that's the nature of the beast. Authorities later said that over the years, at least 13 billion was invested with the company, which used an old IBM computer to crank out monthly statements showing steady double digit returns, even during market downturns. That's your first clue. And I'm sure that's I'm pretty sure when I watched in several of the movies, that's what the, the investigators are like, look at this guy, how is this guy getting these returns? We just went through a significant downturn. And yet, old Bernie here, he's just pumping out these no matter what the market's doing. He's he's got no up he's got no I mean, he's got no down, he's got just all up consistently 10, 11, 12%, whatever it might have been, I don't know. How's he doing that? Maybe we should investigate. That's what happened. But in truth, no securities were ever bought or sold. None. Frank Dispascali, how, how did how did that happen? I mean, how is there not, you know, how are there not IRS forms that are filed? How did this come to be? I've never wrapped my head around that. Maybe I should. I don't care enough. The story, just the story itself to me is like, okay, I'm not one of those investigative. Oh, let's really dig down on this. Frank Dispascali, the company's chief financial officer said in a guilty plea in 2009, that the statements detailing trades were all fake. They made them up. That's a crazy, crazy story. Well, that's the end. Bernie is no longer with us. Um, kind of puts behind one of those sad, sad sagas. A lot of people got burned. A lot of famous people got burned. Here's the bottom line. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And then also, caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware. One of the underlying principles of real estate, right? Let the buyer beware. Do your own due diligence. This seems like a much better return than everybody else is getting. I'm going to be the smart one and go with this. Yeah, well, look it through. Sometimes getting the highest return isn't the best deal. It's just not. Sometimes getting the highest return means you have taken the most risk. You may lose a good portion of your portfolio.
risk return, right? That's what we're talking about. All right, that's it for me on this one. But um, I just wanted to, you know, some of these stories, I feel like, hey, if I can read them, there's some closure there. It's like, remember that whole Bernie thing? What's he doing? I know he went to jail. What happened? Died in prison, age 82, natural causes. He had some kind of uh, medical condition and they were trying to move him out or they moved him to this this one hospital. He had been moved. I remember him being moved. Um, he got old and he died. I mean, so many people go to jail and when they reach, you know, their their older years, that's not an environment you want to be in to uh, to continue your lifespan. It's not conducive to living. You're going to difficult time, tough time. So my, you know, what are you going to say on this one? Dude's dead. All right, Bernie, that's it. We're capping this one. All right, I'm going to go talk about why Bellevue doesn't have any homeless encampments. And yet just a few miles that way, in Seattle, they're loaded up with them. That's what I'm going to talk about. Join me on that one. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for being a part of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. I'll stay, uh, see you guys very, very soon. Until then, stay safe. We'll catch up then. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out. 